to, to uh, pray, discuss. We're working our way through a book, and, and we talk about Scripture and what God's doing. You remember last week I gave everybody a challenge to, to ask people. Ask people a couple of questions, whether it's at work, whether I ask you to ask one person at home and one person outside the home, hey, where are you at with God? Where are you at, where are you at with God? I'm just curious. And get their response. Follow that question with, well, who is Jesus to you? And just gather information and see where God takes those conversations. I've, I've had some responses. Uh, one of our elders, uh, in fact, uh, he is, he is our, uh, the chair of our elders. I won't mention his name, Roger. <laughs> but uh, he told me his strategy. He shared with us this morning his plan. Uh, he says, every Monday, I head uh, to uh, BSF. I coached, and we do use the program called BFS, Bigger, Faster, Stronger, so I always get those letters mixed up. Uh, BSF, Bible Study Fellowship, on Mondays, and so he's, he goes early and he sits at a McDonald's. And here's what he did this week. He, he said, I put a piece of paper, kind of a, bent a piece of paper in half and, and set it on the edge of his table, and it has those two questions written out. And as people walk by, they see those questions. He hasn't had any takers yet. But I said, I'm, I'm praying that you get an antagonist that'll come to your table. <laughs> Did you have an opportunity to ask anybody? To step out, man. Church, I'm not giving up on this. I want us that to be us. I want that to be a part of who we are, that we engage our community, that we engage people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just ask questions. Just start uh, doing that. Uh, this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, our staff and, and uh, one of our elders went down to Colorado Springs to a New Life conference. It's a church leadership conference. It was very encouraging. And uh, one of the things that one of the speakers did, I want to employ during this series as we work our way through the book of James, <clears throat> he quoted Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Maybe some of you have heard of his name. Bonhoeffer's quote says this, silence should bracket the word. Silence before, because God should have an opportunity to speak first. Silence after the word, because God should get the last word. And so during this series, as you and I work our way through the book of James, and this is only six weeks. How in the world can you teach an entire book that's so full of good stuff in six weeks? You can't. So I've had to pick out six lessons. So at the beginning of each of the message time for the next six weeks, we're going to start with silence. Silence is something that we are not used to. It's not part of our Western American culture. In fact, we're so not used to it that some people even have noise while we sleep. Anybody? I mean, you turn a fan on because, Joel, if it's just, if it's silent, I can't sleep. So we, we're not used to silence. So for 30 seconds, I'm going to invite us to silence. And during this time, I want to ask you, ask God, speak. I want to hear your voice. Ask God to come and be a part. Invite the Holy Spirit, come. And speak to me. Silence.
we are going through the book of James. <clears throat> and uh, I've titled this series of messages, Boots on the Ground Christianity, where the rubber meets the road. James is a book that is full of just day in and day out wisdom for us to live by. So, so boots on the ground, rubber meets the road, however, whatever, but I chose boots on the ground. I titled today's message from somebody last week that came up afterwards. Remember I said, I'm not sure whether to title it uh, Navigating the Trails of Life or the Trials of Life. Well, uh, somebody in our church came up last week. Joel, Navigating the Trials of Life on the Trails of Life. I may have gotten it backwards. But anyway, I put them both in there. thought it was good. <clears throat> James is writing to a group of people that are experiencing persecution. In fact, you'll see in verse 1 of chapter 1 where he says, he tells who he's writing to. Those tribes that have been scattered, scattered throughout, and he names different places. What is this scattering? You remember in Acts where Stephen got stoned? A great persecution arose for the church and the diaspora, the diaspora, however you want to pronounce that word, happened. People scattered all over the known world. And James is writing a letter to those people that are scared, those people that aren't sure how things are going to work out. They don't know what's coming next. They're experiencing trials at work. They're not able to find work when they move to these new towns. Things are tough. They just aren't sure how things are going to work out. And James is writing to them. And he's giving them a trail guide of how to navigate the trails of life as we encounter these trials that we, we go through. I wonder today if you came in and you're facing a trial in life. If there's something that just consumes your mind, you're not sure how it's going to work out. I wonder if things, if there's something that has arrested your soul, has arrested your attention. If we're not careful, we can allow our friends to influence us, we can allow our culture to influence us, direct our thoughts, direct our thinking, direct our beliefs, and if, like I said, if we're not careful, we can be headed down a wrong path before we know it. While I was still coaching in Texas, I was, I believe it was maybe 1993, 1994, long before you guys were ever born. Uh, I had been moved up from the middle school up to the high school to be the head soccer coach and assistant football coach. My teaching assignment while I was at Cooper High School was outdoor education. It's higher learning, so. <laughs> I taught, hey, why don't you back off, man? Hey, I taught them how to go camping. I taught them how to tie knots, especially fishing knots. I taught them uh, Hunter safety, we, we shot BB guns. Anyway, you can imagine what outdoor education was. It taxed them mentally uh, probably more than they wanted to. At the end of every semester, I would take my class camping. And they had to cook their own meal. They had to set up their own tent. You get it. <clears throat> every year, I reserved the same camping spot at Lake Coleman and we had kind of a big field right behind our two or three campsites. And we would play capture the flag. Now, here's the rule. you got to stay on this side of the campfire 
this back here is out of bounds. If you get back here, you're breaking the rules and bad things could happen because it's really dark, country dark back here. All right. Well, this particular semester, we had one student that decided he was going, he really wanted to win Capture the Flag. And so he took off around the outside, back behind the campfire, behind our tents, full speed, running full speed. And he had an encounter with an oak tree <laughs> that the oak tree did not even notice. <laughs> but his face did. He came, because me and the other sponsors are around the campfire, and he came strolling back into the campsite, and just his face, I mean, it was... What happened? And anyway, one of our sponsors was an athletic trainer. She looked him over, concussion protocol, everything was good. Do you want us to take you home? No, I want to play. So we bandaged and off he went. The next morning, we all get up and come to breakfast. Oh, my goodness. His face was just chewed up. Well, we got home, and his dad, who was an uh, Abilene police, police officer, Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe we didn't bring him home. Took him down to the police station, took photographs, hired an attorney, came to the school district, lawsuit for negligence. He just went camping. <laughs> he was supposed to stay in bounds, but he went out of bounds. He did his own thing. And, and I, my principal at the time, her son played on the soccer team, and he did not play as much as she thought he should play. So I was not her favorite coach. And this provided an opportunity from my perspective for her to... She looked me in the eye and said, you better get an attorney because you're going to need one. Uh, honey, I don't... I don't know how this one's going to turn out. I mean, I, I feel like my coaching and teaching days are over. I, I don't even know who to call for an attorney. I don't even know what steps to take. She said, I needed an adult on that camp out, and I didn't have a one. My faith, my prayers... I didn't even know how to pray. When you're in the midst of one of those trials, are you supposed to pray, God, get me out of this? Have you ever prayed that one? God, if you'll just get me out of this one. If you'll just get me out of this one, I promise, I promise, I promise. I, I, I won't do that anymore or this or that. We make deals with God. So we're talking about trials. I'm not talking about your pickup getting rear-ended like mine did. It's just stuff. I'm not talking about being frustrated on I-70 during rush hour. I'm not talking about getting that parking place that somebody took right in front of you. That's not the kind of trials I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of trials that rattle your faith, that rock you to your core. You ever been through one of those? You ever had one? Are you in the midst of one? I'm talking about things like cancer. Honey, I don't know how this one's going to turn out. I don't know what's at the end of this road. 
I'm talking about losing your job, financial stress. That ah, I don't know how we're going to make it. Have you ever been through one of those trials? Have you ever had the loss of a job because you claim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's who Paul's writing to. I mean, James is writing to. To those saints that have been scattered throughout Galatia, Pontius, and then he names the places. And the first thing that he says right off the top I got to say this first. God was with me the whole time that I was going through that situation. I didn't see it. I didn't hear his voice. I was so rattled and so arrested by the circumstances that I did not even see or notice God in it. You ever been there? And before we start this series of messages, navigating the trails of life, navigating the trials of life, I need to remind every single one of us in the room, not just to remind you, but I need you to own this. Jesus is with you. And he will always be with you. Repeat this after me. Jesus is with me. And he will always be with me. I don't care what you feel like. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. Jesus is with you. In fact, in Hebrews, he said he will never leave us or forsake us. At the end of Matthew, we remember the Great Commission. Oftentimes we don't see that very last verse where he says, And lo, I am with you until the end of the age. Can I just tell you, I don't care what you're going through, and I know some of you are going through extremely difficult circumstances in life. It has rattled you to your core. I cannot move on any further in the book of James without reminding you that Jesus is with you, and he always will be. He always will be. So, if you're able, I'm going to read James chapter 1, verses 2 through 12. And if you're able, would you stand with me as I read God's holy word? I hope you have your Bibles. I hope you'll bring them in. I hope you'll mark them up. If you have an electronic version of your Bible, man, I know that you're able to highlight stuff. I'm telling you, this is one of those trail guide tips, this passage, that if you're not in a trial now, your day's coming when you've got to have this one in your back pocket, you've got to have this tip. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 12. Count it all joy, my brothers, more specifically my brothers and sisters. It's not like ladies can't count it joy. It's, it's not. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, 
who gives generously to all without approach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Lord, we ask this morning as we consider the trials that we face in life, that we would take this tip, this boots-on-the-ground tip for everyday living. Lord, we ask your Spirit to, to, to penetrate deep into our heart, deep into our circumstances, and bring life to those places. I pray this in your name. Amen. He says to count, a mathematical term, when you add up everything, we're to count it as joy. Some translations say pure joy. Now, I've asked, I've been doing some interviewing, I've asked people to define the word joy. What is it? How do you find joy? Everyone's pretty quick to say, well, it's different from happiness because happiness depends upon happenstance. And a lot of the things that we're going through, I'm not happy about. Joy. Jesus said it that way. Hey, hey, rejoice and be glad when you're persecuted because of my name. Great is your reward in heaven. Rejoice, joy, it's the same root word. What is joy? What is it? Uh, a first century philosopher named Philo, Philo, however, he described joy like this. And, and, and by the way, on Friday night, uh, we're meeting here at the church, Friday night fire, to discuss these things, this issue of joy. But anyway, this first century uh, philosopher said joy is religious intoxication he said it is the supreme good mood in the midst of a trial I'm not sure how this is going to turn out honey he says that it's it's the supreme good mood he also went on to say that it, there's only one source for joy and that is God Almighty Joy. First John, no, third John, verse four. John says, I have no greater joy than to know that my children are walking in the truth. Joy, what is it? He said, man, when you're going through the most difficult of trials, count it, add it up, count it as joy. Uh, one of your discussion questions is going to be, how do we put words on this issue of joy, this, this deep sense that God is with me? God's going to see me through. You know, a lot of people are under the impression that when I become a Christian, I'm not going to have any trials anymore. Life's going to be easy because I'll have Jesus with me. Right? In fact, what does Scripture teach us? Scripture teaches us that we will have trials. We will experience hardships, but God's word also says, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. I cannot go any further in this book without reminding us that Jesus 
is with us. And he always will be. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials. I, I just, I, I'm talking, thinking about my circumstance when I was coaching. I, joy was the furthest thing from my mind. And even today, as I've, I'm aware of some of the circumstances that many of you are going through, choosing joy is not a default setting for me. But I can tell you this. Here's your, here's your, right, here's your first tip. Joy is the proper attitude. It is the proper perspective during our trials. Biblical example. Paul and Silas in Philippi. Remember this story? They're walking around. And they're doing their thing, man. They're sharing the gospel. And there's this little girl that keeps following them around. Remember this story? And she identifies them. She calls them out. I know who you are. I know who you're worshiping over and over. She just keeps doing this. And I wish that girl would shut up back there. And, and, and oh, finally, Paul has enough of it and says, boom, spirit, come out. And those men who owned her, human trafficking, those men who owned her for their profit threw a fit, went into town, made up lies about Paul and Silas. Uh, the magistrate and the people of the town all joined together. They stripped them naked. They beat them probably closer to death than to alive and threw them into jail, into the inner jail. Acts chapter 16. Do you have your Bibles? You got to see this. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. I mean, what does joy look like? When you're going through it, when you've just been beaten to death. And by the way, climb into Joel's world with me for just a second. <laughs> Many of us are not aware of what first century prisons look like. I just promise you they didn't have a little toilet in the corner. They didn't have a cot with a mattress on it. And they didn't have a sink to wash your hands. Oftentimes it was a hole in the ground. And you're down there with a bunch of other folks. And you use the restroom where you can find a place to use the restroom. So here's Paul and Silas in the inner part of the jail. No clothes on. Sitting on that nasty floor. Their wounds are starting to scab over. Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. All right, check this out. I wonder which one of them, Paul or Silas, which one of them was the first one to Great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all the world will sing how great is our God. I wonder how many times he had to go through that before the other one joined in. How great is our God. 
I'll go solo here if y'all really want me to. Jump, jump in anytime you're ready. How great is our God. Because somebody's going through a trial. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will sing how great, how great is our God. I mean, what does joy look like in the midst of a trial? I wonder if they whispered to each other, man, I don't know how this is going to turn out. They were really mad at us for telling that demon to come out of that girl. <laughs> I didn't think they'd be that mad. <laughs> I mean, a trial. This is the kind of trial that, that James is writing to us about, and some of you have been through, are going through, and if you're in a good spot today, let me reassure you, there are trials in front of you. There's not a one of us that's exempt. And the proper attitude, the proper posture for you and I to be in is in an attitude of joy when we go through them. That's not natural for me. That requires the Holy Spirit of God moving in my life and moving in your life, asking him to come and, and, and help me with my perspective because all I can see is the storm. Many of you follow Brian Phelps and Pam Phelps on Facebook. Yeah? Anybody? Anybody see Brian's video post? Yesterday, I think he put it up. He did Facebook Live. He was walking around his house and his yard there in the Florida Keys where the eye of the hurricane, Irma, right, went right over the middle keys, right over his house. His yard used to look like what I imagine the Garden of Eden, mangoes, bananas, fruit, citrus fruit all over the place, just gorgeous. And the storm went through, and his house, the roof was ripped off part of it, and his, his yard was just barren, man. It looked like a bomb blew up. Well, yesterday, he walked around his yard, and he made it a point to go up to each one of those little trees and say, I want you to see. He'd hold his phone right up to it. There's new life. After this storm, there's new life. There's growth. And he'd go over to his citrus trees. Look, look right there. Look right there. And there's new life. There's new growth. I need to remind somebody today that you're in the midst of your storm. You're in the midst of this trial. But I'm telling you, Jesus is with you. And he always will be. And where Jesus is, there's life. James has given us a tip, man. As we go through this this these trails, these trials of life. He gives us a tip. Count it joy, man. You can choose it. I know you're not happy about it. I wouldn't be happy about it. I guarantee you, Paul and Silas weren't in the bottom of that jail cell going, isn't this awesome? <laughs> no. It's terrible what they're going through. But an attitude of our heart and our spirit can know that Jesus is with us. And he's going to see us through. And he always will. Lo, I am with you until the end of the age. Hmm. He says, count it all joy. When you meet these different trials that you face, because here's the deal. This, this, uh, these trials that you're going through, they're going to do something in you. Because see, trials can either 
strengthen your, grow your faith, or they can rattle your faith. What have your trials done in you? Are you strengthened? Are you discouraged? Are you rattled? I'm not sure what I believe about God anymore because I thought God loved me, and if God loved me, then he wouldn't let this happen to me. And guys, I'm telling you, Friday night, we're going to be talking about these things that, that what do I believe about God and my problems, my trials? How do, if you're not connected in any small group, because our life groups, I'm going to be sending these questions to our life groups as well. But if you're not connected, hey, Friday night, I hope you'll come and just hang out with us. We're going to sit around round tables and just have open conversation. What do I believe about my trials and God? I can assure you this, that when you go through trials, God's doing something in you. He wants to grow your faith and produce endurance in you. Endurance. Tip number two, by the way. God uses these difficult things in our life. He doesn't waste them. That you and I can endure difficult things. That we won't be quick to give up when things get hard. You know, I wonder what, pa what Silas said to Paul that day when he turned around and told that spirit to come out of that little girl. I mean, they're, they're doing ministry together. Can you just see Paul getting, <sighs> come out. I, I, this is Joel's world. It doesn't say this. I'm just thinking here. Was Silas like, why'd you go ahead and why'd you do that? She wasn't that bad. Can you see him sitting in the jail cell after they've been beaten? <laughs> Paul, why'd you have to open up your big mouth, man? But he was there with him. And can I assure you that when things get tough, Jesus isn't going to leave you. He's with you, and he always will be. Count it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you and I go through trials of various kinds, because we know that these trials are going to grow our faith and produce endurance in us. Now, here's the tricky part, because I I'm guessing that we've all probably done this. God, will you get me out? Will you save me from this? But look at what his word says. His word says, I believe, verse 4, and let steadfastness or endurance have its full effect. Hey, do you remember the lesson in elementary school? It's a lot easier for y'all than it is for me. <laughs> when you saw a little bird beginning to hatch from an egg, remember that? And, and its beak would come through the shell and, and man, it looked like it was struggling, struggling so hard to break that, that shell. And, and you want to reach down there and, here, let me help you out. <laughs> and your teacher says what? Don't do that. This is so important in the development, the strength of this little bird. It needs to break it open itself 
for the muscular development of the bird. If you were to do it, you would hamper the strength and growth of the bird. Paul's saying the same thing. When you and I go through a trial, God's doing something in you. Man, find joy. Find joy in there. I know you're not happy about it, but find joy. Find that place where you can just sit down in the midst of horrible circumstances. How great are you, God? Start singing hymns. Kyle, was that like a contemporary song that you brought out a while ago? How, How long ago was that one hymns written? No, no, no. It was a hymn. How great thou art. Isn't it, isn't it funny how old things come back around? Because that was fresh, man. That was fresh, it was truth, and it was rich. I appreciated that very much. It was sweet worship. Let it have its full effect as you go through these trials. Don't try to get out early. God, do in me what you're wanting to do in me. Produce endurance in me because I don't want to be the person that when things get tough, I give up and quit. I want to be strong. I want to be one of your children that's known as one that will stick through it even when things get tough. Because here's the deal. Everyone in this room one day is going to, how can I say this politically correct? We will all be mature one of these days. And there's going to be a young buck. There's going to be a young lady that needs to hear your story. Your story of endurance and how God saw you through. That they can find encouragement and strength from how you persevered through the trial. You didn't give up. You found joy there, and they need to hear it. Because you're going to encounter people that are ready to give up. So when we do the math, my trial plus endurance equals what? Complete, perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. This word complete means that all components, all parts are present. Paul said it to the Philippian church, and I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, what? Will see it through. I'm telling you, Jesus is with you. And he always will be. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. pray that today you find yourself encouraged by the fact that Jesus is with you and always will be. I pray that when when you come to that difficult time in your life and you're not sure what to do, you're not sure how to respond to that boss that's not happy with how often you play their son on the soccer field. You're just not sure how to handle that coworker, that neighbor. But you'll ask God for wisdom. 
God, how do you want me to live in this situation? Maybe you're going through a broken relationship and you're not sure how to respond to that other person. Ask. Says it. If any of you lacks wisdom, if any of you aren't sure how to navigate through these trials of life, ask. Ask God. Wisdom is simply living how God wants you to live. Ask him. And he'll give it, man. He'll give you the words. He'll give you insight. But here's the deal. When he gives it, do it. Live it. Don't just be hearers of the word, but that's later in James. Not yet. We'll get there. And ask in faith. Let's be people of faith. One of the things we're going to talk about on Friday night, at, at, at Friday Night Fire when we meet, is this issue of faith and doubt. How, how do they fit together? One side of the coin is faith. The other side of the coin is doubt. If I didn't need faith, what's there to doubt? If I could see Jesus face to face right here in this room, why, why would I need doubt? This is two sides of a coin. But James says, man, when you ask God for wisdom, ask in faith. Don't doubt. He says he will give it. Trust him when he does. I want to conclude before we come to this, uh, the Lord's table this morning with verse 12 out of James, chapter 1. Verse 12 says this, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. I pray that each of us would be people that are steadfast. That we allow God to do in us what God wants to do in us through these difficult circumstances of life. That when we're, that when we're in the bottom, when we're sitting in a, that inner jail cell, that we would find ourselves praying and singing hymns to God. Ask God to put on your heart what he needs and wants to put on your heart this morning. Let's allow God to have the last word. Silence.
Father, it is my deepest prayer this morning that each of us in this room would uh, choose joy in the midst of the hardest things we face in life. Lord, that that we would not allow the circumstances, the storm around us to to overwhelm us and, and arrest our attention. But Lord, as I could just see it in Brian's video yesterday where he was so excited about the new life that, that death doesn't reign supreme, but there's life. Father, we're thankful that you overcame death Death does not reign supreme, but you overcame it. You defeated sin. You defeated the grave. And Father, you are alive. You will be with us, and you always will be. Lord, that is something that we can find hope and joy in every single day, and I pray that we would all claim it. Lord, for the person that's here today that is, that is in the midst of it, they are burdened heavily. Lord, I lift them up to you. And I pray that your peace, I pray that you would give them wisdom. I pray they would ask for it. Trusting that you will give generously. You will point them in the direction you want them to go. You will give them the words to speak. You will remind them to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Lord, I do pray that we are people of your word. That we allow you these, these tests of life to produce in us growth and endurance. Pray that we would continue to be a church body that supports one another, as it was mentioned earlier. That we would love one another. That we would meet each other's needs. That we would look after the interests of others before our own. Father, all of those one another's, I pray, that would be evident in this body of believers. Lord, for the person that's here today that has never experienced your love, has never experienced the forgiveness that only you can for provide, I pray that today they would stop right where they are and they would call upon you. They would place their trust in you to be their Lord and Savior. Understanding that you came and died on the cross, shed your blood for the forgiveness of sin, and you offer that forgiveness to all who believe on you as Lord and Savior. Lord, as we come to your table here in just a moment, I pray that... Uh, we would recognize that we all come to this table with nothing to offer. We're going to walk down these aisles with nothing in our hands. And we're going to come and we're going to take these elements that symbolize all that you have done for us. Your body that was broken for us. Your blood that was shed for us. 
Because it's through the cross and through the blood that we have everything. We have nothing to offer. We can only come and say, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Church, in the, in the coming moments, as those who are going to help us serve come forward, I would invite you to continue to prepare your heart. If there's unconfessed sin in your life, now's the time. And in a moment, I will give us instructions on receiving the elements. We have observed the Lord's Supper this way uh, quite a few times, where whenever your heart is ready, that you make your way up one of these aisles and you take a little piece of bread. 